0: All right, let's pray, and uh, we'll get started. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we do thank you. God, we love you. God, we ask as we uh, get ready to open your word and as we get ready to hear from you that we can listen. Uh, God, that that we can understand that you have something greater in store for us. And God, that we can just put aside our own uh, selfish ambitions and we can look to you to see and to know and to understand what what you want to do with us. Uh, God, don't let anyone continue to live in the lie that somebody else is going to do it. God, let us live in the truth that you have commanded us to be your hands and feet. You've commanded us to go and make disciples. You've you've commanded us to uh, do what it is is necessary to cooperate with you to see your kingdom grow. So God, let us uh, let us grab hold of that. Uh, God, let us live in that. And Lord, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. How we doing? All right, so uh, we're going to continue on in our uh, uh, series. This is the last week of this series that we've uh, kind of... Um, inadvertently, I guess, or, or, or unofficially named God's potential for you. Because I, I firmly believe that um, the Bible is clear and, and we see that God has, has something for you that's greater than you. He's designed you for something greater than you. And, and that design in which God has, has for you is something when he looks at you as, as a son or a daughter uh, of his, he sees you in that potential. We started out with Gideon. Remember Gideon? He was in the, in the wine press. He was down hiding from everybody. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Behold, hey, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. And, and we talked about how God sees, he's seeing Gideon in his potential. He didn't see Gideon where he was uh, down and hiding. He saw Gideon like, this is what I have in store for him. Well, what I want to do is talk about what it means to, um, to be called by God. Last week, we, we talked about this, and I left everybody on a cliffhanger, uh, which I got some uh, negative feedback from whatever, which I thought was awesome, because uh, usually I don't get any feedback at all. Negative feedback, I'll take it. Um, but what we need to understand is the question that was in everybody's mind last week is a question that needs to uh, be answered. And that question was how do, how do I know what God's calling me to do? How do I know God's calling for me? Because last week we talked about the, the, the different um, things that are, that are uh, uh, involved in, in, in calling. Uh, we, we, we talked about how um, uh, God's calling is irrevocable and God's calling, we need to consider the calling and we need to walk worthy uh, of this calling. And then most everybody left here like I don't know what my calling is some people already do know what their calling is and others the 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 homework for the week was to if you don't know what God is calling you to do to be thinking about that be make that part of your your life this week uh, of actively asking God what is my calling well I want to share a story with you real quick This story is about a group of individuals back in the 1950s that God placed a calling on their lives to do something that was, uh, by, by most standards, was crazy. Uh, back in, in the nineteen fifties, um, there were uh, a, a group of missionaries: um, Nate Saint, maybe you've heard that, that name before; uh, Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, uh, Peter Fleming, Ed Macaulay, and Roger Yoderin. Um, and, and and these 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 men with their uh, with their families, they moved down to Ecuador. Um, and, and the reason that they moved down to Ecuador is because God placed a certain calling on their life to, to reach a, a certain tribe of Indians. And, and this, this tribe of Indians has never been, been reached, not, not, just they, not that they've just never been reached by the gospel, they've never been communicated with from the outside. The Akua Indians, or Acus Indians, or however, depending on how you want to say this, the, the, this Indian tribe... Um, They didn't receive this group well. Now, this group of missionaries—they they spent about three months preparing face to face. So they got there and they spent about three months preparing face to face to, or preparing for the face to face conference, or, or, or um, I don't want to say confrontation. It ended up that way, but uh, for the face to face encounter with these Indians. Well, when it came down to, to that time, um, the, the, for them to, to, to meet up with uh, these Indians, um, they did. They met up with the, the, the Indians, and they um, ultimately met their death. Uh, they, they, they all, when I say all, they, 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 uh, Nate and Jim and Peter and Ed and Roger were all killed. They, they, they were all killed by, by, this, uh, by these Indians, uh, and, and some of you are sitting there thinking, "Well, crap! This is a good way to start out with God's calling on your life. Call me to to, to death, right?" Well, this is something that, that when we look at the surface, we can say, um, "Well, oops, they they messed up." N- no, they, they they didn't mess up because what we what we understand is. Um, On January 6, 1956, when they uh, uh, landed and and they met with a few of these, when they were killed, um, it it wasn't but two years after that, two years after that, that Elizabeth Elliott, which is Jim Elliott's wife, uh, well, widow at this point, and Rachel Saint, and Nate's, uh, also his sister, um, two years later, they were living among these people, this Indian tribe, they were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and what we understand, and, and, and we can look today, and there's actually a really good movie, if you want to watch it, it's called End of the Spear, is um, its this encounter, uh, it, it's a, a depiction about you know, what, what took place there, but um, what we can look at is uh, the calling which which God put on these missionaries' lives, we can look at it like, that, that looks tragic, But the outcome was that the the, the wives and the sister actually were able to uh, come in and and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with these people, and their lives are changed for eternity now. Now, why do I share that with you? I'm not saying that every single one of you or, or all of us are called to go and be missionaries. That's not a necessary calling for every single one of us. Maybe God will call you to do that. I don't, I, I don't know. But it's, it's the point where a calling on your life, as we're going to see in a little bit more detail here, a calling on your life is a calling on your life. What, what does God want of your life? Maybe God wants your life. Well, God wouldn't do that. God has. We, we, we can look in, look in church history uh, and I would love to do a study with you guys sometime where the early martyrs that gave their lives so that you can sit, we can sit in these comfy chairs. Now, I don't want anybody to feel guilty here. All I want is, uh, because I, I had to learn this as well, is that, that we can learn from the past. We can learn from these things that have taken place. And we can learn what we're to do now by what has happened then and we can understand that God has a calling no one in here if you're if you're waving the banner of Jesus no one in here can say God does not have a calling on my life if if you're saying that you're believing a lie last week we identified two callings that every single Christian has at least two callings that one is that, 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 that um, general or what, we, what is called the effectual calling. That's that calling to come to Jesus. That's that, that, that calling that, that, that we have to, to come into the family of God. But we also have a specific calling. And that's the one where people don't, uh, uh, they have a tendency of, of having a hard time figuring it out. I, I don't know what this is. Well, I, I'm hoping that um, after we go through some stuff today, that you'll have the tools you need to, to help you figure this out. I would love to be able to have every single person stand up and say, okay, your calling is this, and God said that your calling is this, and your calling. I would love to be able to do that, but that's not how God works. God places a calling on your life individually, so we, we uh, started last week with the, uh, the teaser for the cliffhanger in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, because I, I, I believe, <laughs> I believe with everything that I've got that this is where it starts. Now, let me... Uh, let me share something else with you, another story, and please don't, don't take this story, don't try to paint a mental picture, because you might vomit a little bit, but that's all right. Um, I, I, I want to to, to uh, share with you kind of like part of my struggle, and I don't, and I don't say this like I'm holier than y'all, I'm not, I'm not saying that at, at, at all, but I think part of my struggle when communicating, calling with, uh, with other people, it's easy... It's easier, I should say, for someone who knows their calling to tell people, hey, you need to figure out your calling. It's, it's easy for me to say that. And, and uh, yesterday, uh, we went to, went to the gym, took the kids to the gym to go swimming, which was awesome because I Shannon actually took them swimming, and I went and worked out. Um, <laughs> she loves me. I mean, we got it, we got it down. She was, she was chatty, Kathy, with all the ladies in there and everything. So uh, it was all good. But afterwards... Um, again, don't don't do any mental pictures here. Um, but afterwards, I, we, I took Gabe into the, the locker room, and we were, you know getting showers and everything. And uh, he was in the, the shower stall next to me, and I was over here. And I, I asked him, I said, "Hey, you, you need help?" "No, Daddy, I got it." Because he's eight, he's got everything figured out, right? So no, I got it. So I'm I where I get into in the shower, and I get the shower turned on and everything, and I hear him go, "Ow, ooh, ah." And, uh, Daddy, I I need help. And like, what, what? At that time, you know, lathered up. And I did not even walk out. I'm like, what? What do you? How, how do I? How do I adjust this? Well, you just take the knob and you turn. it. You know that the, the big. Do you see the blue and the, the 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 red there? You need to turn it. I'm thinking counterclock. I'm just trying to, I'm like, okay, he needs, he needs to turn this, um, if it's too hot, he needs to turn it clockwise, if, he, if it's uh, uh, too cold, he needs to turn it counterclockwise, and this is what he needs to do, but trying to communicate that, while I'm trying to peek over to the top of the, uh, the stall to see, make sure he's, he's there, it was difficult, it, it was it was difficult, and I, I'm sure that, that I don't know who else was in the locker room was probably laughing because I'm, I'm getting a little bit not, not aggravated, but not frustrated. just like I w- I would love to just be able to turn the knob for him, but my arms aren't that long. Like turn it and just put it in the right position, but but I couldn't do that. And I think that sometimes that's that same like I, I would love to be able to turn just turn the knob in your life to say okay, figure out your calling is right, it's right here, but it, it doesn't work sometimes. What has to happen is you've got to coach them through it. And that's my, my, my prayer this morning is just kind of coaching you through some things and, and for you to, to develop an understanding of what your calling is. So I'll say straight up, we're going to probably go over just a little bit today. Not, not, not a whole lot, but we should, we're probably going to go over just a little bit so we can uh, really encapsulate everything that you, you need to know. So with this, let's look at, at Romans chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, be not, uh, sorry, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, and it's, that's a huge word there, transformed, that's actually uh, metamorphia, which we understand where we get metamorphosis from, uh, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You guys have been hearing me say this for years now, that by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern, and this is the, an important, to discern what is the will of God. So you can discern what the will of God is, what is good, what is acceptable and perfect. So it's by the transforming of your mind, the renewing of your mind, that you can know what the will of God is. Now, I'm going to put this in the understanding of what we're talking about, because part of the will of God for your life is the calling in which he has placed on your life. So if you're sitting here and say, "Well, it doesn't say calling here." No, that's this is it's implied here. The will of God for your life is the calling that He's placed on your life. So where does this all start? I'm, I'm glad you asked. It all starts. And hear me when I say this: this is this is the the, the if we don't get this, then we're we're all done. Being able to know the calling that God has put on your life starts with him. Starts with him. Doesn't start with you. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, he, here's the deal. I know that, that you don't believe me, but um, we, we're fickle. We change our mind as often as some of us change our underwear. I said some of us. I don't know how. I don't want to know. But, but, but our, our minds are changed by the, 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 the um, influence of what's going on around us. So what we need to understand is the will of God, the calling on your life has to start with him because God is immovable. God is immovable. Remember, if God places a calling on your life, it's irrevocable. It does not change. God does not change his mind by the calling in which he's placed on your life. So as we look at this, we have to understand it starts with him. All right, so I'm ready. It starts with God. Ready, set, go. All right, God, what do you want me to do? Because that's what happens, right? Well, it starts with God. I'll just ask God, okay, what do you want me to do? Well, God in his uh, infinite wisdom knew that we were going to ask that question. And he gives us this whole uh, collection of books to uh, discuss and to, uh, to, to mold us, to transform us, to renew our minds I just want to pick out one little piece, and this is just one little piece that has been profitable for me, and I hope it it will be profitable for you, and that's Psalm 37. Turn to Psalm chapter 37, because in Psalm chapter 37, I think that we can understand better what it means to have a, a, a renewed mind and how we come about that and how we can know what God is calling us to do. Psalm chapter 37, in verse 1, I can probably preach a month on the first two words, but we're not going to set there. Fret not, what does that mean? Don't, don't worry, right? Hmm, that was in the Old Testament too? I think Jesus says that like 300 or sometimes in the New Testament as well. Um, but anywho... Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Okay, some of you are going to say, well, wait a second, they're talking about evildoers and everything. We're not, not talking about what calling. I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stand on this one and I'll say, one of the, the most influential evildoers in your life is you. You have the most influence on you in your life. So I think we fall right into this category here. Verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Uh, Pause there for a second. God never commands us to do something that he doesn't give us the power and the strength and the ability to do. God doesn't say, hey, do good. (laughs) Good luck doing that, sucker. No, if God says to do something, he gives us the strength and the ability and everything we need to do that. What happens is we defeat ourselves. We live in this non-victorious, this this defeated life. I can't do that. I've got this problem. I got this and I got that. No, God said to do this. He's, He's given you everything you need to do this. You have to live there. You have to accept that. So it says here, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself. Heard that before. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way. Over the man Who carries out evil devices? Quit worrying. I I, I preached a sermon, uh, it's been a while now, uh, uh, you know, with the the, the focus on instead of worrying, we need to worship. Turn your worry into worship. This is what's taking place here. The psalmist is saying, Don't worry. Well, you don't know what's going on in my life, and I got all this. Fret not yourself. Well, how can you say that? You don't understand everything. The reason that the the, the psalmist can say that, the reason that that I can stand up here and say that is because where's your trust? Trust in the Lord. Trust that he's got something greater for you. Trust that he's gonna use you. Yeah, but I might be put to death like those those missionaries down in um, Ecuador. Where where, Where are those missionaries now? They're in heaven. I, I, I'm not saying that like, we should all be martyrs and go out there and, you know hey, kill us so we can go be with Jesus. But the worst thing that, 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 that could happen on this planet here in our, side, our, our mind is death, right? But that's just the, the beginning of, 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 a, of a long time of worship in person with Jesus. Remember, when God puts a calling on your life, he puts a calling on your life. The, the the first the first fill in here in our, our notes <clears throat> proper perspective proper perspective is essential proper perspective is essential so it, what we have to understand is okay we're 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 talking that it all starts with him. How if we were if we were to just kind of glance over, um, just look if you look at verse three through seven, w- w- how can we really get an understanding of where our perspective should be? We can see that our perspective has to be in Him because look at that look at the the, the that, that that little phrase the Lord, trust in the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord, commit your way to. The Lord. Be still before the Lord. Do you think there's an emphasis here? Do you think that there's an importance here? This is that proper perspective here is essential, and we have to understand, okay, God, I want to follow my calling. I want to understand what it is that you have for my life. Okay, start with him. Start with committing your ways to him. Start with trusting in him. Start with delighting in him. We're going to talk about that in a minute because that's one of my favorite, favorite themes and concepts of the whole entire Bible. Start with with being still before him. Proper perspective is essential. And being that our proper perspective is essential, we need to understand that your perspective must be God-centered. we are saying the same thing over. I understand I'm saying the same thing over. Repetition is key here. We need to, be un, we need to, to, to get in, the, in the, the mode of saying, okay, I, I forget sometimes. I know my wife's going to be like, wait a second. He, he said, what? I forget sometimes. Why do I need repetition? So I don't forget. Why do you need repetition? Because so you don't forget. What the devil wants you to do is forget the good that God has for you. The devil never says, and if you find this in scripture, please show me. But the devil never says that God does not exist. All he wants you to do is to take your eyes off of him and put it on something else. Whatever that may be, it may be a situation in which you're in. It may be a life circumstance. It may be a job. It may be, a, 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 I don't know, it, 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 anything. It may be even something good. Hey, I got this promotion at work. That's a great thing. But don't let it take your eyes off of who God is and the good he has for you. Don't fall into that trap. Your perspective must be God-centered opposed to self-centered. must be God-centered opposed to self-centered. Now, once we we, we get things in in order here and we kind of start to sift through this and our our mind is being transformed because it's being renewed by, uh, by God and by His Word and by who He is and by our perspective and our focus on Him, the result of a proper perspective is that renewed mind. Oh, you have, don't you have to have a renewed mind to, to think about God? Who do you think renews your mind? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. None of you in here are, are uh, Optimus Prime, are you? Ogre's kind of almost size of Optimus, but, and drives a, a truck. Do you t- talk to your truck like he's Optimus Prime? That would be awesome. We need to put like a GoPro. Yeah, we need to put a GoPro camera in there and see if, we, if that's true. No, but the way in which we're transformed is by the renewal, uh, the, the renewal of our mind. Uh, it, it, or the, the way in which we're transformed to the renewal of our mind is by the word of God and the perspective in which we have of who God is. If we have a low view of God, he's not going to have much impact in our life. We need to have a high view of who God is and what he has said. Even when there are difficult things in which to, to, to swallow for us, result of proper perspective is a, is a renewed mind. Some questions you should be asking yourself, or I'll ask you: Are you trusting him for the outcome? Are you trusting Him for the outcome? Not knowing what the outcome is going to be, Are you trusting God for that? That doesn't mean you just sit on your thumbs and do nothing. But no, are you going to be faithful, and you've heard me say this, faithful in the small thing and trusting God for the big things? Are you going to be faithful in loving your wife? Are you going to be faithful in in, in loving your husband and trust God is going to do great things? Not knowing what that outcome is going to be. Are you submitting to his authority? This is a hard one for lots because (laughs) I don't like being under any authority. Well, if you're going to be under any authority, why not be under God's authority? That, that, that's, that's difficult. Well, I'm not submitting to anyone. I don't care who they are. Convince God of that when you're standing in front of them. There'll be many who say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. He'll say, go away from me. I don't know you. Why does he say that? Because they never submitted to him as Lord. I got, I got my Savior. I got my get out of hell free card. Phew, got this. But they're not Lord He's not Lord of their life. Don't be that. And I I don't want to imply that on anybody, but just ask yourself that question. Are you submitting to the authority of God? Are you committed to his ways? Are you committed to his ways? What are his ways? I'm glad you asked that because I'll give you a list. Right here. (laughs) How do you know the ways of God? Because he communicates them. I did something a while ago. I've got, over top my desk, I have 50 commands, clear commands of Christ. Just 50. There are hundreds of them. But just looking at 50, I'm like, okay, I want to make sure, I'm going to try my best and train my best to do these. How do I know what these are? Because this is what he communicates in here. It's not what somebody's told me. It's what God has said. Are you patient before Him? <laughs> God, grant me patience, All right? And do it now. <laughs> Hurry up! No, are you patient before God? Because maybe, maybe, God is not, or God is telling you, you're not ready to, to understand yet. It doesn't mean you don't seek Him. It doesn't mean that you you you, you don't you, your mind isn't continually uh, renewed so you can hear Him. Sometimes sometimes God says, wait. When we pray to him, he says, yes, no, and wait. Some people say, well, God says, yes, no, and maybe. No, there's no maybes in there. No, it's wait. You're not ready yet. Okay, I'm going to be patient before the Lord. I'm going to be patient. And then, are you satisfied with God? Well, yeah, I'm satisfied with God. How dare you ask me that question? No, are are you really satisfied with God, or do you have something that like you have this 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 itch or 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 this thing that's going on that you just can't you can't scratch it, and you try to fill this this void with a whole bunch of stuff, and none of it works. So when I ask, are you satisfied with God? This is where, where, where I believe, and, and this, is, this is my favorite part of the Psalms. Is, is Psalm 37, verse 4, where it does say, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. People think, okay, well, this means I need to do God things, and then I can do what I want to do. When we delight in the Lord, what happens is, is God transforms us and changes us. And his desires then becomes, uh, they become our desires. So this is not, hey, I want to go fishing. Jake and I talked about going fishing yesterday. So I want to go fishing, so how do I get my Bible verses to line up with, oh, God said to be fishers of men, so now I can, oh, there it is, that's my sign, I can go fishing now. It's not taking a desire in which you have that is selfish and trying to attach God to it and say, oh, I got my God in and now uh, he, he, must get, he must want me to go fishing because that's, that's what I want to do now. No, when we delight in the Lord, our desires are changed so we have his desires and not our own. Do they line up with, with the gifts and the abilities? Yes, we're going to talk about that in a second. But these desires are, 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 are the key. This desire is key. How does that happen? It's delight. Okay, I, I heard you, Lee. Delight. No. Do we really know what it means to delight in something? We don't use that word a lot. I don't say to Bobby, Oh, Bobby is so delightful. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't use that word much. To delight in something means to take a high degree of pleasure or mental satisfaction in. A high degree of pleasure or mental satisfaction in. Think about that. So when we're reading that delight in the Lord, take a high degree of pleasure in the Lord. No, we fill our pleasures with a bunch of material things. And I'm not saying stuff is bad. Don't don't hear me say that. But if our pleasure is, if the highest degree of our pleasure is not in God, we're not delighting in Him. If your stuff, you get more pleasure out of doing your stuff than you do spending time with God, you're delighting in your stuff and you're not delighting in God. And that's idolatry. God doesn't say you can't have things. Don't hear me say that, like, well, you, gotta be, you have to take the, the, the monastic vow where you have to get rid of everything and you got to you know, be a monk. No, 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 no. Not saying that. If God blesses you, enjoy what God has blessed you with. But don't let your things have you. It's okay to have things, but your things can't have you. God says here, he, or it, it says here that, that, that when we delight in him, we're taking a higher degree of pleasure in him, Versus everything else. In him, everything. Fill in the blank there. Fill in the blank with whatever it is. Your favorite sports team. Your car, your truck. Your musical talent. Your whatever. Your son that drives you nuts even though you love him to death, right? No, no matter what, your kids, Whatever. If your highest degree of pleasure is not in God, you're not delighting in him. Because, so if you're sitting here, I don't know my calling yet. Are you delighting in the Lord? If you don't hear anything else, if you don't understand, if if you don't see this, if your highest degree of pleasure is not on God, you're probably not gonna know what your calling is. I put a, a big idea right there in the middle of, um, of the, your notes there. Big idea. A renewed mind takes a high degree of pleasure and satisfaction in God. Man, I'm not trying to make things difficult for you. I, I'm, I'm actually trying to do the opposite, trying to, think, to make things more simple because we, we complicate things. God made you to worship him. He designed you to worship him instead of worshiping other things. Look look down here where it says serious things of renewed mind. I want to go through this just this this brief list here. Because I think that, that once we, we, we start to, to think that, okay, my, my pleasure has got to be, my highest degree of pleasure has got to be in the Lord. So how can I really know? And, and, and then, or how about this? Once my highest degree of pleasure is, like some of you are sitting here like, okay, my highest degree of pleasure is in the Lord. I'm ready. I, I want to know what this calling is. Well, he, here's some things that um, we need to take serious. The renewed mind takes seriously your gifts. The renewed mind takes seriously your gifts. Now, w- w- when I say this, I said gifts and I didn't say spiritual gifts here because I, I want to kind of clump a-, a category together. Uh, the-, the category of, of gifts includes natural, bi- natural abilities, skills in which you've learned, and spiritual gifts. And, and, and I think that I can faithfully do this because when Paul uh, gives the, 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 the list in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 7 and in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, he includes both in there. But what we need to understand is that there, there, there's, there's something that takes place in these gifts. And, and we need to understand that the, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in these gifts is by the same Spirit. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. They're for the common good. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. And they're for the edification or the building up of the church. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. So when our minds are being renewed and our highest pleasure is on uh, of satisfaction is on, is on God, our highest degree of pleasure is on God, and our, our mind is renewed, what we need to do is we need to take seriously the gifts in which God has given us. What natural abilities has he given you? What skills has he given you? What spiritual gifts has he given you? The next thing, the renewed mind takes seriously context and contact. Context and contact. What do I mean by this? Well, the needs that you see around you, The the, the ones that move you most deeply. A a, a renewed mind needs to take those things, those situations, what's going on, and it needs needs to take that in in, in context. Why is this bothering me so much? What is going on here? What, what What is being said? What is being done? What is not being said? What is not being done? What's this tug? That's the Christianese word. What's the tug that's on your heart? Also, the reoccurring and growing interests or awareness of something. This is that, that, that context, but, but not only that, the, 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 the contact, those who God is bringing into your life. Who, who, who's God bringing into your life? Who are you seeing and, and what's going on? You need to take seriously those things. When your mind is renewed and your highest pleasure or degree of pleasure is on God, be aware of the, these things. These would be spiritual indicators of, okay, maybe oh, this is what God wants me to do. Or maybe, okay, this is a path that God wants me to take, and this is the calling. Those are, are, are like road signs. The third thing, the renewed mind takes seriously the affirmation and the confirmation of the local church. This is one that people just jack up all the time. God's calling me to do this. Hey, pastor, you know what? God's calling me to start a ministry ministry to the dogs of Atwater, God didn't give me that memo. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I, I did. I, I don't feel that God didn't say that to, to, to me for you. Too many times, what happens is people they want to do things and they just attach God to it, and then they, when you go in, or when they go and they say, "Hey, God's calling me to do this," it's almost like that's the 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 the, the trump card, right? If somebody comes up and says, well, God's calling me to do this. Oh, sorry. If God's calling you to do that, I don't want to stand in the way. You're right. Don't raise your hands. But how many of you have been in that conversation? God's calling me to do this. Here's the craziest and the crappiest part about it all. Uh, God's calling me to, to, to leave this place and go to that place. God never told me that. God never, there's no affirmation or confirmation of that. Have there been, and I'll tell you this straight up, there have been people that have left our church that God has clearly confirmed with me and gave me the clear peace of mind and of heart to say, yes, it is. I am calling them somewhere else. Sometimes of times just I'm calling them away because they're just, they're dangerous. You need, they need to get away. But, but when some people come and say, you know, God's calling me to do this and God's calling me to do that, if it doesn't line up with, and this is why God has given you a pastor and elders and deacons and leadership and structure within inside the church, if it doesn't line up with that, it's probably not, it's definitely not God's calling. Now, that doesn't mean that I have the final say. Please don't hear me. Like, I'm the dictator up here, and I got, you can't do something unless I say it to no, there's been things that people have come to me and approached me on and said, Hey, I really think that God's saying this, and it may be totally against everything that I'm thinking, but God says, Yep, I did. Okay. But, but there's that affirmation there, there's, there's that validation that, that has to take place. Don't ever be the one to say, God's calling me over here. Oh, wait, say, No, 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 God's calling me. Oh, wait, wait, no, God's calling me. God's sure of your calling. You can be sure of your calling. But don't use that banner of God's calling me. I think God's calling me to do this without going through this understanding that has a renewed mind taking place. Are you delighting in, in the highest degree in him? The last one. And we're done. The renewed mind wants to glorify God above everything else. The renewed mind wants to glorify God above everything else. I'll say this in warning. A calling is not by default. A calling is not by default. What do you mean? What happens is a lot of people operate outside their calling, and they operate in where they fill gaps. Well, there's a need over here, so God must be calling me to this. Or there's a need over here, well, God must be calling me to this. Here's the deal. Can you serve to fill a gap? Absolutely. Should we serve to fill gaps until the the, the individual is called to fill that? Absolutely. But what we don't do is we, we, we don't say, well, I'm filling this gap, and it's in the church, so this must be my calling. Calling is not by default. Calling, and and, and hear me, I'm going to stress this calling is not by default. You may serve. You may serve. And serving is a great thing, and we should serve. But don't mix up you serving in an area for where God is calling you to. (laughs) Because what happens is if you're disobedient to God's calling, all you're doing is masking, masking your disobedience with, "Well, I'm serving." You know, you you don't get to trade things. It's not like go fish. God, you got any sevens? No, go fish. No, it, it's it, that's not how it works. Should you should you serve in an area? Yeah, serve. But if God's calling you, do not say, "Well, hey." I'm serving in this area, how, how am I supposed to follow this calling? You're to, be, you're to be obedient to God. What is God calling you to do? Are you going to be obedient to him? Don't, don't get mixed up. And, and, and I've, I've said this from, from, from here many a times. The devil will take good things really 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 good things and he'll mask them to make you focus on these good things and so you don't focus on what God has for you but I'm helping in this area that's that's a good thing but is that what God is calling you to do I think so because it's for the church I'm serving God are you or are you serving yourself and appeasing yourself and not following what God has called you to do I, I don't say this for everybody in here like, oh crap, now I don't even know what I'm supposed to do now. No, start with perspective on him. Start with delighting in him because he will, not he might, he will give you the desires of your heart. God does not tell us to do something and then again, just say, hey, there, you're all on your own. If he tells us to delight in him and he will do something, that's a promise. And God keeps every single one of his promises. That's one of my favorite hymns, Standing on the Promises of God. Standing on the Promises of God. If you cannot stand on anything else, you can stand on the promises of God. And he has promised, if you delight in him, if you make him the highest degree of pleasure in your life, that he will give you the desires of your heart. So if you're not knowing what your calling is, you don't know what it is, start there. I hope this is an encouragement and this is not like a beat down because it's not intended. It's intended to be an eye opener. Oh crap, I need to delight in him in the true sense of that word. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. God, we ask that we can delight in you uh, because when you tell us to do this, it seems like it's impossible. How am I supposed to, to take all and, and how am I supposed to have the highest degree to, of pleasure in you? I gotta, I gotta love my wife and I gotta love my kids and I gotta love my, I gotta do good. In my, God, let us understand that when we take the highest degree of pleasure in you and we're obedient to you, these other things work themselves out and even greater than what we can even imagine. So God, let us take that higher pleasure, degree of pleasure in you. Let us focus on you. God, let us love you Let us surrender to you. Let us live in you. Let us be victorious because of what you've done. And God, as we get ready next week to to bring our friends and our family in here for Easter, let us stand on the promises which you've given us. I am a child of God. That's who I am. And this is how I'm gonna live because of that because my identity is in him. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we thank you. Spirit, we continue to welcome you.